not from a pricing standpoint like you'll probably still get more than you would have in 2021 or 2020 Mm -hmm. but your ability to control the transaction or have any say in the negotiations or anything is is probably the worst like it's definitely been the most buyer's market it's been over the last three years yeah and if you look at the numbers it still says it's a seller's market but when i look at everything like from on the ground perspective i i don't really see that you know it's uh there's enough out there to be able to negotiate you're listening to the ottawa real estate podcast with your hosts paul stevenson david warren and greg campbell let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today here we go gentlemen we're back hello the ottawa real estate podcast welcome oh that music cut off real quick bang yeah (laughs) welcome you know guys i got a lot of comments last week with no drum roll on the uh, mood boost and um we just have to uh you know we have a producer back now steven's here we'll introduce steven first my bad my bad everybody my bad on the the drum rolls uh we are back my name is paul stevenson i am a mortgage agent and i'm here with level two i should say we have to say that now uh greg campbell is a realtor (laughs) with the the agency agency. ottawa the agency (laughs) agency. and uh david warren mortgage agent and owner at referral mortgages gentlemen it was a beautiful weekend turned out to be beautiful it's supposed to rain what did we get up to what did you guys do how are we Doing well, I was up at the cottage. It was terrible weather Friday and Saturday there, but uh, yesterday was glorious. So, yeah, all is uh, all was good. Nice and relaxing. I did. Uh, I just hung out with the kids. I was supposed to DJ at Gaia Fest. Oh yes, big Gaia. festival on the weekend. It would have been my third year, but uh, I declined. I uh, just needed to chill mm. with my girls. You know, and I'm I'm enjoying uh, I'm enjoying it. The solo dadding, it's been fun. Mm. Solo dadding, yeah, I like it. Yeah, That's what they uh, call me. <clears throat> you had a uh, soccer tourney, uh, or yeah, we had, a, so we had a golf tourney. We had the golf tourney on Friday, which went really well. We ended up raising um, tens of thousands of dollars, which was incredible. Uh, we're still kind of figuring out after expenses and everything what the total um, fundraising was, but awesome. Like, thank you to everyone who came out. It was a really good day. Uh, we shot two under, which was pretty impressive for basically my dad's the only one who knows, knows how to golf in our foursome. So it was uh, pretty impressive to even get anywhere near par. Uh, and then Saturday, we had a, a same organization, Boys and Girls Club. Again, we did a, a fundraiser soccer tournament with the Auto Police, OC Transpo, their union, uh, and a few other teams. And we ended up losing in the finals 3 2 on a last second penalty shot. So it was very disappointing. Uh, and thank you again to everyone who came out and supported that. So, really good weekend of fundraising. I got lots of sun, which surprisingly doesn't really show. If I do that, you can see the checkers on my face. Uh, my head is much redder than it looks. You just don't have that warm setting on the camera. There's, yeah, the no. setting is not set to warm. Well, the sun is also, I'm getting burnt again right now in my office. Yes. So, uh, I, I seem to have that warm setting. You know, I've got the white shirt. My skin looks gloriously tanned for me. It does. I think. <laughs> Normally, I'm as white as Paul most times. <laughs> What's funny is I'm actually... Translucent. He's, he's, he's probably actually as dark as I am right now. You just can't tell from the, uh. from the camera and the lighting. Yeah, it's, it's the angle. I don't know that uh, we need your face that close to the camera there, Paul. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Anyone in there? Um, 
Yeah, no. So today I'm quite sore, but uh, but I will say this is, a, this is I'm going to plug this because it's amazing. Um, I have this cream from Colombia, this after sun cream, and it's magic. It's made with beeswax and conjula and a couple other uh, random ingredients, but it not only soothes your skin, but it also heals it and repairs it. So if you have a sunburn, ad. holler at me and I'll get you some cream. I have a whole bunch the of them. The back. Colombian cream. Colombian cream. Yes. Uh, so gentlemen, real estate. Let's get into it. We're back. Uh, last week was interesting. We had DC on. We had some really good feedback on the show. I think people like when we have guests. Mm. Yeah. like getting that outside perspective on uh, on the market. Yeah, we're going to have a property manager coming on uh, towards the end of the month, end of September from Filament mm -hmm. uh, Realty. He's, uh, he's great. He'll be a great conversation. I think uh, it'll be really uh, telling about the market to hear from him. Mm -hmm. The market is an interesting beast right now. We're coming up to the end of August. Um, you know, we're, we all have all kind of been saying that we think or anticipate that the market will, will pick back up again, kind of September. Darren seemed to seem to, to think something very similar when we were chatting last week. What are you guys seeing? Like what's kind of the day to day looking like currently? Is it still slow on your side, Greg? Seeing more listings coming out? Like just kind of what's the, uh, what are you guys seeing happening? Yeah, it's right like, now? it's, it's the same. It's slow. It's been a very slow August. Um, in neighborhoods, kind of like from an overall perspective, we're seeing about, you know, if we're looking at Orleans, Barhaven, Riverside, South Stittsville, Canada kind of thing, you know, we're looking at about 125 listings, 20 of those being sold, 20 of those being conditionally sold, the rest being active. And that would be from rentals to, you know, condos to, you know, single family homes, whatever. But, um, yeah, things are still moving. People are just taking their time. I do think, um, however, it's very challenging right now with rates, especially for a lot of buyers to pull the trigger because I think it's they're at a point now, like I was out with a couple people and you know they ended up, their approval ended up being 7% um, just because of their profile. So they, they couldn't get um, also an uninsured, you know, 20% down. 7%. But, you know, after a conversation, we're looking at it saying, you know, that's actually not bad from, um, from a B lender uh, for right now. So that it's just kind of wrapping their head around that and having the conversations where they understand that that might go up and prices might not go down. So if they don't do something now, they may just be sitting on cash for a while. Um, but I mean, you know, these are just the conversations that we have to have. Ultimately, they have to make a decision, but I'm seeing a lot of that. And I think, you know, come September, the second week, it's going to go up again. And that means more buyers out. Uh, rates at 7% are going to be normal for a lot of people. And, you know, they'll, some opportunities could be missed and the prices, I don't see them dropping. Yeah, I've, um, I've been seeing, having a lot of, people just updating their pre-approvals constantly you know still circling around but um but yeah to your point of a slow august the same thing like you know it's been hit or miss on the on the weeks of what people are looking at but um you know i think to we were talking about it just before coming on that our numbers for august for this podcast 
are the highest that we ever had. Mm -hmm. So all the way through the pandemic where there's such a high interest and a uh, high degree of interest from, um, from people in the public uh, in real estate, our numbers weren't as high as they yeah. were this month, which kind of goes to show you that either people really like our voices that much uh, or Oof. that they are still very much interested in real estate. And there goes to show you the people that are sitting on the sidelines are poking their head in, even with the high interest rates, kind of seeing and doing their research as far as whether getting into the market, when timing, you know, what's going on. Uh, so I think that's kind of telling a little bit, um, just on like a small scale, obviously, of, of what, you know, we're doing. Um, and uh, and yeah, I don't think, at least on my view, nothing's changed from, uh, I think, you know, Labor Days this weekend. Um, and I think after that, we've kind of talked to talked about ad nauseum this past month, but um, the anticipation is, is that after this weekend, um, you know, things will pick back up. And especially if, uh, depending on what the Bank of Canada does, but if they hold steady, then you know, like we've said, I think it will certainly continue. Yeah, first week of October, when we can get the September versus August stats, I think that'll be telling of kind of where the market is yeah. is trending. But yeah, August has been, I think, even slower than July. Like, I think we'll see the numbers for, for August be lower than July. I think, what were the transactions in July? I think it was 1,200, but mm -hmm. 900 single families, like Tcash, mm -hmm. I think, and then 300 condos. So that, you know, 900, 1,200 transactions is fairly low for july i believe greg at least mm -hmm. you know, from my past it is. knowledge of, mm -hmm. of the stats but i think yeah august compared to or sorry august compared to september i think will be telling as far as where things are trending but i you know i have some clients that have been pre-approved for 12 months and they have no like they have no rush like i reach out to them here's your new pre-approval here's you know this you know we should relock in your rate whatever the case is and they're all just sitting at, like there's no urgency it seems like everyone which is fine but that's kind of the sediment in the market is well we're gonna wait and see like there's a lot of, we're waiting for now we're waiting for the announcement well rates you know prices seem to be coming down like there's there's a reason to wait it seems and uh even the people i'm talking to pre you know i had three new pre-approvals at the end of last week and all of them when i asked them like what's your kind of time horizon for buying it's like well you know six or 12 months like there's no we need to get into a home by november right or yeah. we need mm -hmm. to we need to find something asap which it seemed like there was more of that before. There was more of that urgency. So I think just everything, I think everyone is just in that wait and see, as we've been saying. And um, I don't think it'll take much to to move the market the other way, but there is still a lot of uncertainty. And as we were saying with Darren, like I think depending on September's announcement, I think the next one after that is is October, Dave, mm -hmm. I think. And then I think that's the last one. There might be one last one in December, but we're coming up to the end of at least 2023. And I think at one, at some point this year, we're going to see the tide shift. Uh, I'm still, I think September, we're going to see them hold. I just think there's, I don't think there's enough data last time to raise it. And I think now that they've done it and things have basically come to a complete halt, that they'll probably hold things as is. I don't think there's any need for them. Like it seems unnecessary to go higher. I think Darren yeah. mentioned last week, like there's no, you know, the, there's blood in the streets now it seems. So I think, you know, putting an extra turn on that knife is unnecessary for, for most people. They've served yeah, their purpose. Inflation is up. It's counterproductive now, you know? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. I think, I think the, um, I think another, like another thing that I'm seeing, I shouldn't say, I think something that I'm seeing is that there's a lot of sellers now, like we're really at, and you know, we talked about that standstill before of like, are, are, who's going to break first, the buyers or the sellers. It's kind of like we're at a point now where the sellers can't break anymore. And 
I'm seeing a lot of them, like the conversations that I'm having, they're, they're just sitting there and they're not willing to take anything less. They're having a hard time realizing that they should have sold that they're, they're, they're having, I'm having the conversations where they think they should have sold previously or even earlier this year. Um, so they don't know what else they can do because they can lose or they won't go be able to get into their new place, uh, without that new place being a rental. So there's a big, there's a big shift there. And I, I don't know, uh, I don't think that it needs to go down anymore, um, in terms of like the home pricing, but, uh, we're, we're going to see what the buyers do with the rates where they are. And again, it's, it's the comfort zone because like I said, that, that 7% that a lot of buyers are going to be facing soon as an, as a reality, uh, mm -hmm. it's going to take them a minute to get their head around that. I mean, it's not like a five, five, you know? I wanted to clarify too. I think I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but I, I made a statement saying that you know I thought this in the last three years was probably one of the worst times to sell, and I wanted to clarify because someone did bring that up to me recently that I'd said that, and I meant it more in the sense of as a seller, as far as like negotiating, being able to actually be in like control of the transaction, it's one of the worst times in the sense that it seems to be more in the buyer's favor currently more so than it has been over the last two to three years. Absolutely. But not man. from a pricing standpoint, like you'll probably still get more than you would have in 2021 or 2020, mm -hmm. but your ability to control the transaction or have any say in the negotiations or anything is, is probably the worst. Like it's definitely been the most buyer's market it's been over the last three years. Is yeah, and if you say? look at the numbers, it still says it's a seller's market. But when I look at everything, like from on the ground perspective, I I don't really see that. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, there's enough out there to be able to negotiate. I am seeing, you know, the lower level condos being negotiated down by like twenty to fifty thousand um, dollars. Granted, a lot of those were overpriced, but those were people that were holding on to it and they had to go into something else because they were closing on a new product. Um, you know, so they had to go, but those numbers have come back down to where they should be. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, I see a lot of data in my market where it makes sense where it is now mm -hmm. for it to go any less doesn't really make sense with just the natural progression of things. Like it's come down enough, um, to be an accurate value in my perspective, anything, I don't think it can uh, go down anymore. I think it's very much a buyer's. Um, you know, I know the data's saying or, or indicating, um, you know, a seller still technically, um, or more of a balance, but I, I, from a, from my perspective, I certainly see it in the very much to your point, Paul, in the buyer's favor. And that's simply from seeing every purchase agreement that I get, none of them are clean. They're all conditions. They're all marked up back and forth yeah, yeah, on pricing, yeah. on closing dates, on deposit. You know, there's not a single clean offer with no conditions. Um, I think there's been, I think I've seen one all summer. Um, every single the, one is marked up. APS and that goes is... to tell you there's a back and forth, you know, that that goes to tell you that there's been a negotiation and there's still a conditional period on it. So mm -hmm. obviously that it means that it's more in the buyer's, you know, more balanced to it or in the buyer's uh, favor, but it's just anecdotal. Yeah, I was going to say those uh, APSs start looking like the, you know, those kaleidoscope tracing things when we're kids mm -hmm. and just keep going in a circle that comes out as a great pattern. That's the APS yeah. cover page. It's like, ooh, all right, let's try to find, it's like, where's Waldo trying to find the final purchase price? I remember yeah. prior to uh, the pandemic when shit went crazy, we'd have, you know, it's negotiations like that. Um, 
sometimes we'd have so many back and forths that at the end we would just do a new agreement. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. See the amount. I haven't had See to the one of those, but yeah. Uh, yeah. New agreement attached. Yeah. I can't read Executed. this anymore. Yeah. Um, so something, an interesting article I saw guys, it was uh, late last week, but they were talking about, you know, obviously rates, Dave and I talked about rates a couple weeks ago, and then Darren was on, we were talking about rates and, you know, qualifying Greg, you're mentioning, uh, especially with the privates, like, you know, not having to use a stress test and just everything regarding rates. I saw this interesting article, uh, on Canadian mortgage trends, my go-to, um, it says fixed rates back as top mortgage product of choice. This was via national bank. So it says new data showed that a record 95% of borrowers opted for a fixed rate mortgage in June, according to a research report by National Bank. He says a significant turnaround from early 2022 when rate hikes were just started and just 43% of originations had a fixed rate mortgage. It's a surprising development given that many believe we're nearing the peak in policy rates and that a downturn is likely. Um, there was a couple charts there, uh, Stephen, that you had. It's a, it was a distribution of mortgage originations by rate type. Very interesting because it shows literally from, you know, mid 2021, just a massive uptick in fixed and a complete drop off of variable, like from, mm -hmm. you know, 55% to five. Like you can actually see it's a very, very, I don't know if, uh, sorry, I'm not on Zoom. There's Stephen has a chart up there. So very interesting. You can see that chart in the graph. And as they said, I mean, there is a very, like Darren mentioned last week, like there's the, the plan was always to start easing rates at the end of this year kind of easing easing back into lower rates on the variable side and it may seem crazy right now but you know as we all know like historically speaking variable rates are actually lower than fixed rates like it's been now where you know fixed rates have been uh lower than variable rates for almost a year i would say nine mm -hmm. months um which is you know historically really unheard of at least the time i've been in the industry um that we've seen that so seeing variables so much higher than fixed like that's another reason why i think i just Again, and like it's my own opinion, but I don't think I, I think we're either going to see them halt or potentially even lower rates in September. Um, but all this to say, like now that ninety-five percent of people are going fixed, like that's a like I was saying a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. it's a huge amount of people that are kind of locking in those guaranteed um, returns as well for lenders, right? Mm -hmm. And for clarity, the um, the next rate announcements Wednesday, September sixth, so next Wednesday, mm -hmm. and then October twenty-fifth. And then one last one, December 6th. Mm, right before <clears throat> Christmas. The old Christmas uh, the old Christmas gift. That'll be a job. Well, you know, you know what? Uh, you know, we spoke about it briefly before we came on. It's going to be interesting to see what actually happens with these new conversations about um, mandates and how mm -hmm. that may affect uh, our industry mm -hmm. again. Yeah. 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 Drop rates, lock everyone in their home, prices will double. <laughs> Places are going to go up again. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. That's like, I'm, I'm not even being like, that's literally exactly how it went. Um, this does say, just going back to that article, it says um, three and four year terms should place those borrowers in a good position to renew at a lower rate. So people obviously trying to time the market as far as when they mm -hmm. think rates will come back down. It says current bond market pricing puts roughly a 30% chance of the Bank of Canada rate cut coming in, uh, sorry, the first Bank of Canada rate cut coming in March 2024. However, as rate watchers are keen to remind us, any economic data release can cause current forecasts to change. Obviously, as we've seen, uh, it says among the big banks forecasts, most expect the Bank of Canada's overnight target rate, currently at 5%, to fall to between 35 and 4% by the end of 2024. So they're saying, you know, 12 to 18 months now, we should see it around three and a half to 4%, which would be, you know, 
six rate cuts, basically. Six drops. And it's funny, like, do you think that, you know, you hear something like that? Are there people, I mean, of course there were. There's people sitting there right now going, phew, great. So now I'm just going to stay where I'm at until the end of 2024. And I'm not going to do anything based on something that may or may not happen. Yeah. Right? That's like everything. I mean, the whole market mm -hmm. is somewhat speculative you know it's like mm -hmm. well where do we see things going how many people are immigrating uh you know what's what's happening with the uh the students right the international students we're talking about that and you know great the... i was gonna... great segue paul great segue thank you oh, yes. segue stevenson um <laughs> yeah no so there was a uh, another article uh cbc news integrity of immigration system at risk as international student numbers balloon minister says so um the Liberal government is is now uh, admitting that I think they they had too many students coming in that I don't think were even being factored into the uh, the immigration mm -hmm. numbers. No, um, it says Canada's on track to host around nine hundred thousand international students this year. Uh, Miller said in an interview that aired Saturday on CBC's The House. This is Minister uh, Immigration Minister Mark Miller. Um, that's more than at any point in Canada's history, and roughly triple the number of students who entered the country a decade ago. Mm hmm. Come here now Come to now, Canada. Yeah. I mean, like, think about that for a second. That's an extra close to a million people. And that's over and above per, the other million know, refugees, permanent <laughs> residents, work permit. Um, if the numbers for those PRs, refugees, and, and work permit holders are the same as last year, which I believe they're on track or mm -hmm. pace to do or even higher uh, than, I, th I believe the stats were that it's actually on track to be higher. Um, last year was over 900,000 work permits, permanent resident refugees. Um, combine that with the 900 students, you know, we're close to 2 million extra bodies. Um, I think that uh, that rate, the, the, the rent graph that we have, uh, um, you know, is only going to continue going up of, of what you know, average rents are in areas because we're, there's going to be, there's such a, you know, we already, we talk about ad nauseum, but they're really finally kind of piecing it together uh, a little bit this past week when uh, they had a conference in PI for, for all the ministers of immigration and housing, not speaking to each other. And it's pretty hard to get um, affordable housing on track when you have um, immigration numbers through the roof where they actually didn't even realize how high their numbers were, um, you know, for students, for, um, for, like I said, work permits, PRs, and, uh, and that it's not going to housing prices and rent prices aren't going to come down unless they get in, they get in line. But there was no, I didn't read of any action items coming out of that, just basically admissions of kind of where the numbers actually are. Um, but and, and rumors of a, of an equity tax. I read mm -hmm. about that too. I don't know if you saw that. And, you know, I have an, another question about that. The students coming in, I, I'd like to see some data on how many of those students graduate here and stay in Canada. That would be the number to see. You know, they're here temporarily, let's say on average two to four years, two to six years. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see the average of how many actually stay in Canada or if they get trained and go somewhere else. I think it's a massive percentage. I, I mean, I can't speak to it, but definitely... Uh, I see it all the time of of for clients over the past ten years of clients that were on were on student visas, then got a work permit and applied for the PR. And because they've lived here, they have that credit history, they've got that track record, they've you know working, they're showing Immigration Canada that they're you know wanting to stay here and have that like track record that they then are um, hit 
tick all the boxes for for getting their permanent residency. Um, I I don't know what that stat is, but I agree it would be very interesting, especially as they keep ramping them up. Yeah, I just I just tried to look it up, uh, or at least asked our our, uh, our assistant ChatGPT. Um, <laughs> It just uh, gave you the the standard. It says the exact percentage of international students who choose to stay in Canada after their studies can fluctuate based on factors like economic conditions, changes in immigration, mm. etc. The Canadian government per periodically releases data on the outcomes of international students, including their post graduation plans, and then it directs us to uh, the IRCC, Refugee Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada, uh, or other reputable sources that provide statistics. So it won't it won't it's not going to get in the mix. So we're gonna mm -hmm. they're gonna keep their hands clean on this one, eh? Yeah. <laughs> No, well, that's not for, like we're not getting schools, involved in that. The schools must need the money, obviously. Um, I mean, well, I, you know, to be fair, obviously people apply, they get accepted, you know, they have mm -hmm. the money to come in. But it's like when you look at a number like that, there's a there's obviously a reason for it. That's just not, you know, they, they don't just take anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. And and maybe, Stephen, can you put up the uh, chart of the rental index versus permit holders, um, study permit holders? Um, you know, you'll see on this chart, a direct correlation yeah. between, um, you know, over the over the past years, and this is dating back to 2000, as like temporary residents and study permit holders has increased, and 2022 as high as 800,000, and and you know this year 2023 will be 900,000. This ends. This graph only goes to 2022, but you'll see the rental increase. Um, you know, it's basically a hockey stick curve. As we go through Q2 of 2022, it's safe to say that the housing starts has not been the same. Um, and so I, that that curve is only going to increase um, and make it more expensive for for renters. You've got such a large population of, of students. You know, right now you've got the, um, you know, the, the form buyer ban for purchasing. So that covers like student students uh international students cannot purchase or their families can't purchase a property uh, to help them so they're having to rent like if the if the market is too expensive from an interest rate standpoint for individual investors um and you're relying on big developers or corporations that are then now you know stopping their developments because it's too costly right now for for build for permits and all that and toronto most developers have basically put all their developments on pause um it's only just going to drive rental rates up for you know for the the population that that is here now um so they really need to get on the same the same page yeah i just sent Stephen an article that i was actually reading this morning um with regards to montreal it says that montreal was trying to basically impose uh the builders <clears throat> develop affordable housing or they have to pay basically a uh a tax or like a fee uh uh what's the word i'm looking for um yeah basically a fee to to, to, <laughs> to not uh and all of them opted to pay to basically pay the fee as opposed to uh as opposed to develop affordable housing so you know i don't know exactly what the regulations are but when you're talking about toronto's stopping building montreal's paying these fines so they don't have to build a specific way uh i saw a thing earlier today too they're building it was i, I kind of laugh when they said it but they were comparing this new uh, micro condo building to basically a prison. Like it said, oh, you know, come on in, you get your 300 square foot uh, property with, you know, a really nice gym and uh, and joint showers, you know. And it was, it, they showed a picture of it beside next to a like max security prison. And it was just, you know, this is the future of housing in, 
Canada just, for wow, just yeah, rooming what they can build for what they can build mm-hmm. at that price, right? Mm-hmm. Toronto area building shifts in the low. Yeah, developers on pause or cancel projects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be um, again. <clears throat> we keep saying it at nauseum. Um, you know, for the last 142 episodes, I think that uh, housing starts really needs to increase. It needs to be less cost to build and more incentive for developers. And really, at the end of the day, yes, developers are a private corporation there to make a profit, but they are absolutely essential hmm. for the mass population to actually have quality home or quality housing um, and not being like a, a, a match, a matchbox. Yeah. Well, on the on a positive development note, locally, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, I'll spin it here. I'll, I'll turn the tables here to Please. something more positive. Nice. Um, the, uh, I was listening to the radio on the way into the office this morning. And uh, Trattoria, uh, Vittoria, Trattoria, yes, I'm an, I'm an Victoria, idiot. Vittoria, Trattoria? In, in the market, is uh, they've got permits and they're starting to build. Um, they're going to re- bring the restaurant back. They partnered wow. with York Entertainment and they are... Um, rebuilding the restaurant down in the Byron market with uh, three stories of residential, like 17 units above. Um, and they are uh, in that joining block where the Starbucks used to be and Fat Tuesdays, um, the Starbucks will be going back and uh, and they're actually revitalizing that whole block. That's amazing. Oh, and, wow. Um, which will actually market. be nice uh, for, for all of that. And uh, they were saying the BIA uh, formed a BIA association um, to kind of address the safety concerns of of kind of public and and obviously visitors down on the market and kind of drive uh more events and and more um you know kind of cultural events uh within the uh, Byward market which I think is fantastic and it's great to see that strip which has been you know it burnt down I think three years ago or four mm-hmm. years ago uh, yeah. to actually see it you know that block get rebuilt and it's going to maintain its historic um exterior and, and interior that's able to be salvaged but April twelfth, two thousand nineteen. Oh, there you go. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. There's actually I sent you an article, Stephen. Um, maybe we can share that in the comments of the show because they actually have like a depiction of the future development of what it, what they kind of expect it to look like and so on. So pretty, uh, pretty neat. Anyone who's interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just nice to see. Um, you know, a, a restaurant. I think it's twenty five years. It was there. Mm-hmm. The restaurant was there. Um, to see it come back is is great. And for uh, the local businesses uh to join forces to kind of again rehabilitate that whole strip if you will Um, ottawa leading the way in development yeah (laughs) that's what we do we put our best foot (laughs) hey (laughs) steven just had his finger on it all all show waiting like uh yeah no ottawa leading the way that's what we do well, we should we, uh, on that rim shot, I got five today. I couldn't oh, pick. Do it. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just start. I'll start here. Number one. Uh, number one. To the guy who invented the zero. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Nada. <laughs> Zilch. Uh, okay. Number two. Did you hear about the guy who drank eight Cokes? He burped seven up. Die. Oh. Yeah, had one too many. Uh, number three, why did the man name his dogs Rolex and Timex? They were watchdogs. Of course, watchdogs. Oh, wow. 
Yes. Uh, number four, looks like my cat's sick. He doesn't seem to be feeling feline well. Feline well. Mm, I stumbled on that one. Shit. You ruined tripped it. O- tripped over his tail. <laughs> and last but not least, your number five. <laughs> How do you turn white chocolate into dark chocolate? You turn off the lights. <laughs> That's it, gentlemen. That's it. Uh, so we will be back next week, Tuesday. That was a good show, guys. We went over a lot of different things. Yeah. Headlines. It was. You got something to say, Greg. You got that pen shaking. Got that pen shaking. <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> Solo dads. He's got the pen now. Yeah. Better not be watching the show, girls, hey? <laughs> um, we'll be back next week. If you haven't already, uh, make sure to, uh, you know, leave us a review, actually, John. We were surprised. There was a lot of uh, a lot of reviews on Apple Podcasts, which is, uh, again, shout out to our apples out there. They're, uh, the Only positive of- reviews. No negative reviews. Only no, positive. All positive. All positive. Thank you. Uh, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to like and comment. I know when we go live, it doesn't show up in the normal feed on YouTube. Uh, so that's, you know, if you do subscribe, you'll be notified when we go live. So you get the heads up. Otherwise, uh, Tuesdays, 10 a.m. We'll get these out to you. And uh, thanks as always for listening. Gentlemen, have a great week. It will be. Deuces. We'll be. Ottawa leading the way. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.